0: to episode three of Kaleidoscope with me, Bella. And
1: me, Libby. It's been a while, but we're back, baby, bringing you the podcast all about shaking up perspectives as we look through the Kaleidoscope at culture and social issues in different and
0: challenging ways. We want to use this space to engage in discussion. What we're not here to do is come up with black and white answers to everything we discuss, and we definitely don't claim to be right all the time. But... If you like the idea of thinking about or rethinking aspects of society, then Kaleidoscope is the podcast for you. We also have
1: some thoughts on what we've been consuming recently, though we don't want to bombard you with recommendations because I'm feeling like pretty overwhelmed with all the suggestions that are coming my way at the moment.
0: Um, And we're really sorry that we've been away for so long. But, you know, with the stress of exams and all that, as well as the global pandemic we're all in, um or the Panny D as our fellow inspirational icon says, Um, we've had a bit of a back burner in terms of recording stuff at the moment and finding new ways of recording miles away from each other. Um, Yeah, so.
1: Yeah, to be honest, I think we weren't even really sure what content would be good to put out at the moment. It seems everything's becoming quite saturated at the moment and we really care about making good content that is
0: just looking at stuff at different, in different perspectives. Especially in a time where we're consuming so much more content than we've ever done before, with our phones being used on an unbelievable scale at the moment. Yeah, literally.
1: If you want to engage in the discussion that we're having, um, have any topics you want us to turn the Kaleidoscope to, or just have some great recommendations, please, please DM us on our Instagram, at kaleidoscope underscore podcast.
0: And welcome to anyone who's just found our podcast, and to those who've returned. Thanks and hi again. Um, we're really excited about what we've planned. Now we're back.
1: Honestly, so good to be back, and good to be getting on now that we've finished second year. All our assignments done. Woohoo! Feels good feels less stressful. What's your lockdown situation looking like, Bells? Are you going mad yet? Has your crazy alter ego Trish come out or are we safe?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's had her moments, that's for sure. I think I've released her in very different, interesting ways, classic me. (laughs) I, at the beginning of lockdown, in a strange way, although obviously the awful things going on with the world, um, I've been trying to keep myself busy in the best ways that I can and taking up every single hobby like I did at university, but in my bedroom shock, shock, horror. Bella's tried everything. I'm not joking. From Spanish for three days. I learned that, um, on Duolingo. So fluent then? Yep. Fluent pretty much. Um, and then I picked up the ukulele as well as the drums. Um, Tried a few books, put them down halfway through. Yeah, done a bit of it all, to be honest. Open water swimming. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, that's me and my lockdown situation. But it's definitely had its ups and downs as well. Like, I've realised that I can't accomplish everything, um, including baking. That has not been my forte. And drinking too much (laughs) alcohol during this time. Oh my gosh, tell me about it. I'm actually... a detox as a 21 year old in lockdown when there's no one else to drink with (laughs) apart from my mother who is an advocate of alcohol and woke up with a stinking hangover this morning (laughs) um so that's been my lockdown
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's so sweet Uh, how's yours been libs um yeah i'd say pretty up and down as well i've actually just had a change of household so I am now living in London with one of my best friends. Um, still isolating, obviously, but um, just a bit of a change of scene. Everyone I say that to is always like, "Oh my gosh, was it that bad with your family?" Um, it wasn't. My family are great, and I had a lovely time. Um, but I just kind of, I don't know. I just kind of wanted a bit more mm. independence. So, was feeling like a change of scene, and yeah, I'm only finished my exams last week, I think. So just getting into the swing of things, really keen to get back on doing some art um, and poetry and just spending a lot of time reading, which is great. Um,
0: but yeah. Yeah, it's been great for that. Any, any good books? Um, yeah, I actually just read well, I actually have a book club,
1: which is kind of cute. Um, it's kind of a random group of people, which is makes it more interesting. Oh, awesome! My sister's friend set it up and let me join, which was really sweet. Um, but yeah, it was a, the book was called The Hunting Party, and I just don't really read murder mysteries, so it was interesting to read something different. I I loved it as something that was really entertaining, but I don't actually think that. I don't think i think the writing was that good, but that's just me being savage as <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's back. <laughs> I've missed her. Well, um, we both feel like we don't want this to be a really corona-heavy space, but inevitably context always comes into discussion um, with the sorts of topics we're going to address.
1: All the discussions come out of the very context we live in because we can't just ignore reality and everything that's going on around us if that makes sense.
0: The themes, ideas etc definitely extend beyond lockdown life um, even if they are from thoughts that we've had in the last couple of months as well.
1: Yeah exactly, um, I think that'll be really apparent in what we discuss this week so on to the episode and the topic as we look through the kaleidoscope at the body positivity movement um, and what's going on in that space at the moment. So I suggested do this topic because I'm finding the body positivity movement quite contradicting at the moment. Yeah. And sometimes conflated with self love, though they're intertwined. I kind of see them as different things. I'm really not sure about a lot of things that people are posting at the moment. Um. Sometimes I wonder whether posts are actually benefiting other people and whether they are actually positive in the long run or like in the bigger picture. So I'm basically just interested to hear your thoughts. There's loads of images of bodies at the moment on social media and I just don't know whether a lot of these images are actually adding to the discussion and conversation in a productive way.
0: Yeah, well, I think reading a lot about it and kind of educating myself a lot on the movement itself and have and and found out a lot more than I thought. I think in all areas and topics, particularly where you feel like you don't know enough on or a movement has come about, I think it is important that you, you look at different points of views on it. And I've definitely looked at how some people are against the body positivity movement. And I've read articles that are promoting it and articles that are talking about it in relation to the lockdown at the moment so i think there's a wide array of different opinions um and different bodies who are advocating and talking on the media right now or writing about their interpretation of what's going on on social media as well um in relation to campaigns and to um particular brands promoting and being alongside this movement i found that really interesting as well um so i think one of the first things I looked at, which I found quite interesting, was how the fat acceptance movement then went on to become the body positivity movement, which was created in the 1960s. Um, and, but it's been around for ages, like since the Victorian dress reform happened, you know, with turning away from corsets and the hourglass figure, and, and in that respect, how the female form has changed mm-hmm. um, and been released from this constricting aspects and kind of ideology. Um, and then... What what happened then was the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance was created and basically re educating what it means to be overweight and discouraging doctors from blindly labeling any patient that is overweight as unhealthy, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Because I think that that's a, mi- a massive misconception, which I wanted to talk to you about. Um, with many people saying that it's very important to be accepting all types of bodies right now, but many say that you shouldn't be promoting obesity or anorexia, for example. On both sides of the spectrum and scale, in terms of body image um, and I wanted to ask, I think, in relation to what to this topic, what you thought by that by that approach that many people have, and they that stigma that fat stigma that people use, and they say that well, what about health um, surely you shouldn't be be promoting um what was the lady 's name i 've got her down here uh, oh yes um Tess Holliday, who was the plus-size model, who was on the cover of the Cosmopolitan magazine um, a couple years back now. Um, And she's a size 26 and she weighs over 300 pounds. Um, And there was a massive debate and argument um, whether or not this this should be advocated um, or whether she should be allowed to be on the front of the magazine promoting um, her beauty and her size, Um, which I think is really interesting in relation to what I was saying with... um, re-establishing our our kind of ideals about weight, overweight as being unhealthy and labeling any patient that is overweight as unhealthy. Um, And yeah, I kind of wanted to see what you thought about this subject. Yeah, I definitely
1: agree. I think we live in a society that is fat phobic. Um, I even feel like guilty of this myself because I definitely think that I would look at someone like Tess and think okay like why in the same way we don't want to promote stick skinny girls with like anorexic bodies like why would we want to promote women that are obese and overweight but like you said just because someone is fat it doesn't mean that they're unhealthy um and I think we obviously need to separate the two I think that a lot of connotations can come with how we view fat people like for instance thinking oh they must be lazy um, and judging them far differently to someone that is much slimmer yeah literally i'm sure you know brianie
0: gordon mm. yeah i love brianie gordon
1: she is let's say fat but she ran a marathon like she's she's not
0: unhealthy yeah well I I think there's a massive misconception like I was reading this article from the Guardian and this woman um basically talks about how fat there's this like misconception with fat people don't have eating disorders if they did they wouldn't be fat so it's like that's a lot of a lot of women who are struggling with their weight are undergoing huge mental disorders themselves and I spoke to a friend about this the other day and she was like you wouldn't disregard someone who came up to you and said that they that they had you know like they had depression or something but when they're fat I feel like we have this approach that a completely different approach that well you've done this to yourself that you've put this upon yourself to to eat loads to be lazy and it's and it's a big a much bigger problem an issue than that I think and I feel like we we have this inherent phobia and and uh, a kind of disgust against a certain group of people um, because we're not used to it and and we're and we're not used to it because our society hasn't promoted it and this is from the coverage of various brands that we're buying from and I found this unbelievable I think you'll find this quite shocking as well, um, was the, the, this one particular brand, um, I'm gonna try and find it for you. They, um, they promoted a range of different bodies, right? <laughs> and uh, what was it? So Everlane, they're this, they're this underwear brand that launched a new underwear line featuring a plus size model in its campaign However, despite doing this, no actual plus-size underwear was on f- for sale.
1: <laughs> that is so stupid. I don't. How do they think that they were going to get away with that, though? I don't understand, people. Like, how would you actually think that someone
0: wouldn't pick up on that? I have no idea, and it's, it's unbelievable. And that's another thing that I wanted to go on to now with you, was with many movements going on at the moment, I feel like sometimes especially with social media and campaigns and various brands, they're using political movements as an excuse to gain more coverage and publicity. Um, and I was wondering about like whether what your opinion is on the kind of morality of using various um, businesses to promote certain political agendas versus their actual moral integrity behind it.
1: I understand what you're saying, but I also think that if a brand does something that is positive, even if they actually don't care, it doesn't really matter that much if it has a positive impact. So what you're saying with um, the brand showing a woman uh, plus having a plus size model, In that case, there is not a good positive impact because they haven't produced any underwear that is actually going to fit a model like her, a person like her. But if, this is obviously turning quite hypothetical, but if a brand is promoting a good cause because they think that it's going to look good to their consumer, if it does actually make a difference and do good, then I'm not sure I actually care about whether their um intentions were morally right in the first place does that make sense
0: yeah no that does make sense that's that's interesting I just I just think it's I just think we don't realize like what we're being fed and I think particularly in this time of lockdown like I don't know you probably know you probably do know her Jamila Jamil um she's she's an advocate right now in terms of the body positivity movement and did an interview um with stylist in the lockdown And she was just, she started this thing in 2018 called I Weigh. And it's basically like loving your body and dealing with what you've got right now. And I I think particularly during this time where eating disorders, charities have seen like a spike in the number of calls during lockdown. Um, We have to be quite wary of the content we're consuming. Um, Particularly Mm -hmm. as someone like I've been off Instagram for a year and I only recently joined again. Um, yeah. so it's been really interesting for me going back on during a time where I'm on my phone a lot more as well and also going back on after I really struggled with Instagram um, I personally didn't struggle always to do with comparing my bodies but it was comparing as a whole I think yeah. it was a sense of comparison which definitely drew me to um, leaving um, the the site itself Um, And I think it's been really interesting talking to friends who've also taken themselves off for a week or indefinitely during this time, um, due to the effects of this unnatural amount of comparison that we've been led to feel. Um, And I think we have to be very wary of the fact that if you're not feeling good about yourself, then you need to remove yourself from the situation. Or unfollow the people that are really not giving you that positivity in your life, but I think it it's mm-hmm. difficult because it can be disguised behind people that might not want you to feel like they might actually not make you feel good about yourself and actually make you feel even more worse and this is another question I wanted to ask because other people have been saying, should we be using the term body positive or should we be using the term body neutral
1: yeah, that's definitely something I've been thinking about is like this whole idea of um like loving your body it kind of makes you think why do we need to love our bodies someone on instagram who i absolutely love bobo from bobo and flex um great podcast would definitely recommend she calls she always talks about her body as her decaying skin suit and it just (laughs) really cracks me up um because I just feel like we need to not be defined by our bodies so we need we don't the discussion shouldn't be about like about loving them it should just what we should be aiming for is just indifference like not caring about our body because that's not what's important and like obviously that's going to take a massive um push and almost like redirection of the movement um but I think that's way more important than what we should be aiming for. And that's only something I've thought recently, because I've always been thinking before like, oh yeah, I've got to like love the skin I'm in. But I don't know, there's just a lot of other shit to focus on. I know that a lot of people have disorders that clearly linked to their body and that can really affect your mental health. But if society just thought of it like Bobo did as a decaying skin suit, um, a shell, if you like, then I think we'd all be a lot better off.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely.
1: Actually, I was looking at um, Amber Driscoll's uh, story today. She's a model. um, And she's been talking a lot about um, following people, like influencers that aren't like diet crazy and are like more about um, health um, and not about like transforming your body. It's just about like being fit for the sake of being fit and like healthy. Um And one of the accounts that she tagged, I had a look at today and I actually thought was really on point with what I was thinking um, and expressed so much better than I can express it. um So this accounts called beauty underscore redefined and I've given that a follow now. I just really like their approach and their contribution. Their messaging is founded on their own PhD research, They're like a set of twins. And then this is a quote from their latest post that I wanted to read out, which kind of expresses what I was saying a lot better. They say, our approach to body positivity and body image activism sounds different than a lot of love your body stuff out there because we are trying to separate people's worth from their appearance completely, not just expanding who gets to feel beautiful, but taking beauty off the pedestal that we shouldn't be required to stand on in the first place. And then they go on to say girls aren't only suffering because of the attainable ways beauty is being defined they are suffering because they are being defined by beauty and I just think that that is so much more of a positive contribution that sums
0: it up really yeah I
1: don't even know what more to say that I think that's so important
0: yeah and I I think like you said I think you've you've summed it up really in terms of I, th- I think it goes back to what I was saying with the Victorian repression, the idea that as a female and as a woman, obviously I'm not taking into account the men right now who are also dealing with inequality, inequalities in terms of their body and feeling really shit about their bodies right now during lockdown or in general mm-hmm. as well and the pressures that they have with gym body, perfect and all of that. But apart from that, women in particular it has proven, like, I'm reading Matt Haig's book at the moment, um notes on a nervous planet read reading it during this time because i think it's so prevalent and you know he he talks about that like the idea that even now and as increasing numbers of men feel the pressure to look away that is not how most men naturally look to have gym defined bodies to be ashamed of their physical flaws to look good in selfies to worry about their hair going gray or falling out the pressure on women to fret about their appearance has never been greater so Haig himself, I think, realises that although there is this pressure from both genders, I think it is important to to stress that it has come from this innate patriarchal understanding of women being focused and sexualised on their bodies and being seen as an object. Yeah. So I think that our inherent feelings of, um, of disgust about us, the way we look, and pressure comes from that.
1: Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um... And it's not, it's not innate to us. It's ingrained in the system that we live in. In and society.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Interesting that you bring up men, because I haven't really thought about that a lot. Um, and thinking about why we as women care so much about beauty and body image, um, I have read some chapters of this book called um the beauty myth by naomi wolf um and my i gave it to a friend and she's been reading it so we've talked about that a bit and in that she talks about the way that the beauty industry as part of capitalism obviously and the way that we view ourselves is just a form of uh, oppression which serves the patriarchy. So it'd be interesting to think now that men are becoming more concerned about their body image, like where does that fit into the picture? Like what is the greater reasoning for that? it doesn't serve the patriarchy and which capitalism relies on for men to feel oppressed by worrying about their looks. So how did that even come into it? Yeah,
0: no, and, and he says that... Sorry,
1: that's, that was long, but...
0: That's so, no, that's so interesting, because Matt Haig then goes on to talk about that. Oh, really? He, he says that, yeah, instead of trying to reduce women's appearance-related anxiety, we're, we are raising men's appearance-related anxiety in some areas, in some kind of distorted idea of equality, we seem to be trying to make everyone equally anxious rather than equally free.
1: Yeah, and that that anxiety is literally oppression at work. So thank you, capitalism. (laughs) Thank you, the patriarchy, for making us feel like we need to, you know, stick to these beauty standards. So interesting, we've talked about how, where, where the body movements come from. And um, we were talking about a, a fat phobic society. Um, obviously from that, there is a thin privilege, which I don't think people talk about enough at all because it is a privilege. I think it's something that people need to own. And I don't think people actually realise like how different your life is can be to someone that is classed as fat or obese it's also important to think as well even though you might have your own insecurities you don't have to feel thin to have thin privilege i was thinking about it and i actually found this thing that the Arizona State University have put together as part of their Project Humanities. And it's like a thin privilege checklist and you can look at it and and say like, oh, yes, do I do I feel like this? Like, do I have thin privilege? I'll read some of them out for you. They have put up um checklists for all different types of privilege. This is thin privilege. It comes from an article written by Sharon Ridgway in Feminism Magazine originally, and then they've used it here. It's a list, a numbered list. One, you're not assumed to be unhealthy just because of your size. Two, your size is probably not the first thing people notice about you, unless you're being thin shamed, the opposite of fat shamed. Three, when you're at the grocery store, people don't comment on the food selection in your cart in the name of trying to be helpful. Um, It goes on for... 22 points there so you can check that out really interesting to think where you as a person situate yourself in this discourse um I mean I can't lie like I definitely feel like I have been privilege and it's not something I've really acknowledged before
0: I'm grateful for that but uh, you know I am I'm I'm aware of that I guess but at the same time I definitely even as someone who is thin in quotation marks you know like it it has its it has its tolls as well like I I think that I don't necessarily always there's always something green on the other side in terms of body weight and body image and I think even if you are thin there are moments where I've still compared myself to people that I've seen online and and I know that that's not the way it should be because I'm very lucky to be in that category, as you've just said. But I think it's important not to assume that people who are even in that category don't have insecurities as well.
1: Yeah, I know. But I also think it's very different to um, noticing your own insecurities to actually being discriminated against on the daily because you're seen as fat. I think we need to separate the two because... I don't think that would really be acknowledging your privilege if you if you felt that your insecurities about your conventionally attractive body are the same as someone who is fat just because you feel that way because at the end of the day like you're you're not going to not get the job because of the way that your body looks.
0: No, I understand that. I really understand, that. but what I'm saying is I don't think that you should say that other people's suffering also whether it's linked to mental illness or not, it's incomparable. I think that we can definitely understand and appreciate your privilege but I don't think that you can say that someone's suffering and their insecurities is less than someone else
1: I don't yeah I agree I don't think it means that their insecurities are less but at the same time everybody is oppressed literally everybody everybody (laughs) is oppressed um, in the society we live in but the degree of that is obviously going to be different when it's not something you're having to face from other people every day i get that there's a lot there will feel like a lot of pressure looking at ads and um everything we've talked about with social media but i just think that we need to be careful in conflating those two realities Essentially, and that's actually really interesting that you're talking about that because I think I'm probably gonna sound quite cynical, but I just feel like so much that's posted just just seems so fake, and it just pisses me off. It's almost like it's a trend to feel insecure about something. It feels like. Like, oh, I'm just like you because I have this fat role, even though I'm a size eight and like, I feel insecure too. And it's like, yes, I understand. Like, I will look at myself in the mirror too and be like, oh, I I, I don't like that about myself. But I just I just don't understand how people are really forcing themselves into the body positivity movement. I don't know. It just doesn't really sit right with me. Um, and I just think we need to think about where conventionally attractive bodies fit into the discussion um, and in the imagery. I guess it's a concern, that like we were saying, of greater or lesser oppression because we all, we all have the insecurities and everyone exists in that system that is oppressing. But um, if there's a body that fits into mainstream ideals, it, like would you not say it's less oppressed?
0: I think it's less oppressed. I agree with you on that front but I disagree in terms of it being appreciated as a body, in terms of the movement itself. I think that um, it's important to remember that when you're promoting something like this, you're promoting all bodies and accepting all bodies, thin and fat. Um, And I think we have to be careful that we're not shunning people away and segregating people away from a movement because they don't apply to the minority. Mm -hmm because I think it's important in the same way with the feminist movement, that we encompass all women, um, especially those whose voices have been silenced. I, I particularly agree with that. Um, and I acknowledge that, you know, this woman I was reading an interview with, called Stephanie Yeboah, she, from this Guardian article in 2018, she talks about similarly to you how she feels and she's she is she would describe herself as a as a fat woman she says that she's it's become a buzzword this movement and it's alienated the very people who created it she feels like now in order to be body positive you have to be acceptably fat so this idea of being like size 16 and under or white or very pretty it's not a movement that i feel represents me anymore
1: yes um
0: especially as she is she's she's a black overweight woman she feels like this movement isn't necessarily representing the political agenda that it initially started out to mm-hmm. be so i definitely acknowledge that but i think we have to be careful when other people are trying to help the movement yeah that we don't silence those voices as well
1: but i wouldn't i wouldn't say silence it's just making the voices um that don't often get heard heard and if your body is represented in the mainstream like you don't have the voice that should be amplified in this movement and i think if you're going to be posting about you and your own body i'm talking still talking about someone who's um got a conventionally attractive body and thin privilege i think you need to identify and express your privilege within that and um, highlight other other bodies within that because otherwise you aren't embracing all bodies if you're just posting you.
0: Some of the voices who are in the limelight right now are not particularly in the minority of those who are suffering and who are being discriminated against in the workplace, for instance, like you said, in terms of employment and interviews. yeah. And perhaps they're not being vocalised on a large enough scale. But I don't think that other people should be silenced at the same time. I think whether they take less of a stand on the subject is another thing. But I think we have to be careful with that. Something that I, I actually saw um, online, this idea of kind of body confidence versus body positivity. And... And moving beyond the fact that body confidence is more of a kind of personal, subjective thing, whereas body positivity is actually a political movement.
1: Yeah. And so I, I actually didn't think about that. But now thinking about it now, perhaps the kind of thing that I'm seeing where girls are situating themselves in the body positivity movement, they should just be talking about body confidence. Yeah. Maybe that's what's irking me. Yeah. And then I also think with this whole idea of loving your body and self-love, if you love your body and that's seen as a positive thing, does it not matter that you loving your body might affect how someone else views theirs or is the goal just to love your own?
0: No, I I know what you mean.
1: I feel bad that when I see a conventionally attractive body, used for body positivity, it makes me feel annoyed and I think has the adverse effect on my own body positivity, even though I am, I arguably am conventionally attractive body type too. Should the person posting that care about that? Or should they be caring about getting their their own um, love for their body up to scratch?
0: I think we have to be really careful with with judging people so quickly with what they post. And I think that there is so much judgment online. Um, I think mm. on both ends, you have to understand that it takes a lot for someone to post a picture of themselves anywhere in a bikini, whether they're thin or not. I think it does. I think that there is an insecurity lying in the amount of likes you're going to receive, um, which which brings me back to the idea of how how toxic Instagram is in that sense, that there is this pressure to use it as a narcissistic form of of kind of self-hatred whereby you're Mm. constantly posting pictures hoping that you'll be liked and validated validated by a society that predominantly promotes white thin bodies um and and you're relying on this platform and by disrupting it I understand what you're saying you're saying that the feed should then be disrupted by bodies which aren't going with this conventional form yeah yeah but I, I just wanted to bring it back to this article I read um, and this woman called Megan Jane Crabb who is a leading advocate of body positivity and she's quite keen to nudge her million followers back to the movement's political origins. So away from this body confidence and more towards this um, body positivity. And her successful Instagram account called body posi panda is basically famous for sharing her recovery from anorexia um, and her before and after photos so her thin and unhappy before and her bigger and happy after which was then really sadly switched by a diet pill company who cynically wanted to use the before photos to promote its products which is just it makes me just feel sick again how this kind of capitalist consumerist format is again trying to take credit for someone's personal journey um but going to that I think with you saying that you feel slightly unsure about how you feel when you see someone post something who is from a conventional beauty standard and you feel uncomfortable I guess maybe is the word yeah um that we have to remember that we don't know where they've come before
1: Surely, if you're wanting to situate yourself within a body positivity movement you're you're actively situating yourself in a discourse, do you not think that it's beneficial to to say where you've come from and give it
0: context but maybe that's that's something they don't want to share on they want to only share part of themselves like I think that's the power of the media is you don't have to share everything it's It's great if you are honest, but some people don't want to be that honest or they don't want to be labeled as someone with anorexia or someone who's a recovered person. I think we have to be careful with um, labels and, and putting ourselves out there. And often it's it's amazing to be that honest, but some people actually feel uncomfortable with their past and they actually want to just forget about it. And they don't want to be defined by their body scars they want to be defined by the way they are now.
1: Yeah, so then so then, why post something to situate yourself in that discourse then?
0: But they're situating themselves over, like how they've overcome perhaps the discourse of their situation beforehand, you could argue.
1: Yeah, I guess I do see your point though. I think
0: it's an interesting debate.
1: I thought it was quite interesting because if I see a fat person doing the same thing, do I just feel, I feel okay and validated because I can look at that fat person and be like, well, I'm skinnier than her. And that's really worrying. And I now feel like aware of that part of myself. It's clearly quite problematic.
0: That's why we need someone who's a bit bigger than us, someone who's smaller than us, someone from all different sizes and and spectrums of beauty on a scale, promoting and our ideals of what, what beauty is. I think that, I think it's important to have an array, a, a, a spectrum, a kaleidoscope of different bodies. I think that that is the way forward personally, um, not one way or the other, not just having larger bodies, not just having thin bodies, um, being aware of the privilege of thin bodies because they have been, the convention and still are in many ways the convention of our society. But I don't think we should disregard or make people, people feel uncomfortable for posting positivity because isn't that the word?
1: <laughs> but um, Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying about having an array of bodies. But and and you and you say we, but like who is this we? Because are you talking about if everyone just posts their own body, then we have an array of bodies, or do you think that the per a person posting, um, their own body has a responsibility to also post others, or do you not think that they should do that?
0: It is important to be aware of other bodies and to, and to not be self-centered in just your own sense of self. Um, yeah, I I, I do agree with that. I
1: think that's why I've been really interested in um, this content that Amber Driscoll's making, because she will acknowledge her own privilege um, and her and the fact that she is um, small and thin. Um, She'll post photos of her like showing her roles or whatever but they're not going to be the same as someone that's um cast as obese but she also will highlight um other influences and other people that are um embracing their bodies which are bodies that look very different to hers and so like that i can that i can appreciate because she is taking the responsibility to show an array rather than just showing her body which she does benefit from thin privilege. Also, my a friend of mine brought to my attention an Instagram post by Raffaella Mancuso, um, who does a lot of stuff to do with mental health. That's like her um, primary concern. But she also was talking about how she feels um, the body positivity movement is going at the moment. And I think a lot of what she said um, sums up what I've been thinking about it. So um, she did a sort of Instagram thread, if that's what they're called, saying, it really bugs me that thin people are taking up a lot of space in the body positivity, self-love corner of the internet. A lot of people in smaller bodies are creating content about loving the parts of your body that are deemed bad by society. She says that she obviously wants self love for all but she says the problem for me is that i've noticed for myself as well as many other plus size creators in the same space of the internet is that we don't get half the recognition that slender people do and she pointed out what i've been noticing the same way you can cheat to make your body look better with certain angles slender people are seeing the sort of interest in the body positivity movement as she says they promote body acceptance by distorting their bodies to show off supposed imperfections. So it's like the, the opposite of someone, you know, trying to make themselves look um, slim for a photo. A slim person can also, you know, by show their roles, which we will have by doing a photo that's slumped. And she says, of course, like everyone's allowed to feel self-conscious for parts of their body, But points out that unlike these influences that do that, she can't just put away her problem areas and continue in the world. She doesn't have the luxury of standing up straight or pulling up her pants and then suddenly perfectly fitting in society's ideal beauty standard. And that's what I mean about thin privilege. Like, well, it's not the only thing I mean, but I just think it's interesting that if you're obviously Mm. obese you can't just suddenly turn back into your thin self because you don't have that in the same way that Mm. someone can contort their bodies to show the the worst parts but then also live their daily life walking down the street and as a size 12 it's just interesting because i feel like people like love these accounts of those kind of girls that are like influencers that are quite curvy um but but still quite quite slim and yeah might have areas that they deem problem areas but it's not the same as other um influencers that were taking up space before these slender girls sort of like took over
0: and it became almost like a trend like is that what you're saying
1: yeah that's what i think it always comes like a trend to be like oh yeah i have these insecurities too even when you're slim. And I'm not saying that means you don't have those insecurities. I just think the way it's being played up at the moment is really interesting and probably not all that helpful. A fella said that people love these accounts because it allows them to feel good about themselves without having to confront their internalised fat phobia because these girls aren't actually that big. And I was like, yes, that actually makes so much sense. She just feels like if she posted the same photo, she wouldn't get as much engagement because people inherently believe that her body is bad, whether consciously or not, because we just asso- associate being fat with being bad, being lazy. It's not a body that's palatable. Um, and so the slender bodies that do this are receiving way more like brand um, offers on the back of this body positivity movement that they've placed themselves in. Um, instead of those that are actually living in more marginalised bodies who are portraying the same message.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting.
1: If you want to promote your own self-love, like, that's terrific, but also feature marginalised bodies on your account because it is about raising other people's voices as well, like, diversifying your own feed. So that's why I think if you're going to engage in this discussion, you have to realise that you're not the only body in it.
0: Yeah, and on that note... um... I thought that this writer made a really poignant point with something that we haven't discussed yet. Um, Rebecca Rebecca Torsig, she's a writer, and she states that the body positivity movement doesn't put people with disabilities and other marginalised bodies into the foreground, mm. and how the idea of um, body neutrality, she thinks, has the power to be really useful, in particular to people with disabilities, especially those with chronic pain, or people with diagnoses that are progressive. So those people are pretty frustrated with the demand to love their bodies when they feel betrayed by them. So being neutral could feel like a relief almost.
1: Yeah. I've literally never thought of that.
0: Because I think that's quite I think we disregard that idea that we've got to be positive. Like in also in lockdown in general, you know, if I'm honest, last week I didn't have a great week. I had a few couple I had a few days where I didn't really want to get out of bed and I felt really annoyed at myself that I wasn't being positive Mm. and wasn't learning Spanish that day (laughs) or five different books I wasn't reading or, you know, this pressure that we have to feel positive all the bloody time can be really frustrating as well. I completely agree. Um, And that's coming from someone who is, I am, I would say, I'm naturally quite a positive person. I'm optimistic. I find, I find that I definitely have days where I'm not as well and I think that, I think I find it tough to talk to people about it because they know me as someone who's so optimistic and positive. That if I'm then down, it's like, oh, well, who's going to be positive? You know, it's like, it's that internalized pressure um, that we put upon ourselves.
1: Yeah. So maybe the movement needs to now be body neutral Neutrality? Neutrality. Wait, what was the word? Body neutral. Neutrali- neutrality. Neutrality. Body Why neutrality. does that not sound like a word? Yeah. clearly a word i don't use
0: it's new that's why
1: it felt it felt kind of foreign in my mouth like it didn't form properly (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i guess like as part of this um like mainstream feminism to to love your body what we really want is people to just be indifferent to this shell that they're in and not care which obviously have we have a long long way to go
0: well on that note should we go to our rose and thorn oh my
1: gosh yeah i haven't even thought about this um yes so my rose is getting to hang out with one of my best friends again because she is absolute sweetest and it's been so nice and really sort of brought me out of myself again because um those of you who know me will know i am quite the introvert and i get into my own head and can really easily spend a lot of time on my own so it's nice to have my gal pal my thorn i don't know i just think let's keep it realistic my thorn is that i've had quite a lot of days of feeling quite anxious and feeling like i need to act normally through everything when that that isn't realistic I just feel like it, it. literally is a roller coaster, isn't it? One one minute I'm fine, the next I'm like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah. What about you, Bells? What's your rose and thorn?
0: Well, I I would say that my rose this week has been. I interviewed my grandparents and asked them fifty questions, um, which I thought was a lovely thing that I did yesterday and. It was inspired by a podcast I listened to with Louis Theroux and Helena Bonham Carter um, on his new podcast, which I highly recommend called Grounded. Helena states that during his time, in particular, she feels that the the older generation have um, have been involved and been appreciated the most. And my friend said to me, "Well, I've written a letter to my grandparents for fifty questions," and I thought, "Well." my grandma isn't the best writer, so I'm gonna phone her, FaceTime her instead, and she'll, um, she'll, she'll like that more. So she got all dressed up in her favorite outfit and put on some makeup, and it was a, it was a way of getting her all glammed up, um, which was quite funny. And she, so I interviewed my grandma, and then my sister interviewed my granddad, with the same 50 questions. So they were on their own and we were asking kind of questions about each other, but like nice things about like when they first met, when they were younger and what was their first childhood dinner um, and um, what what music did they have around the house when they were a child and all of those kind of things. So I thought that was a lovely way of using this time to, um, to savor some memories and to actually collect some memories that I've never known I think it was, yeah, it was a lovely thing to do. Now I've got that forever, so. Yeah,
1: that's such a good idea. What about your thorn
0: bells? Oh, my thorn. Um, I guess guess it's similar to you in in ways. It's just kind of riding out those days when uh, everything becomes a little bit much and apocalyptic in your head, I might say. And um, I'm not trying to think about the future too much. And also not putting so much pressure on myself when I come back to normality I think I've been struggling with that the change basically like I when I go back to uni when we both go back there are, there's going to be a lot which has changed um for the good and, and and not necessarily for the good as well so I think uh it's just dealing with those challenges yeah i get that Mm. so libs any recommendations you've got for me in terms of things you've read or seen or um
1: let me think i mentioned before um in the podcast about bobo from bobo and flex podcast um i don't know if you
0: have you listened to them Yes, I have. I've listened to an episode.
1: Yeah, well, I've, I've been listening to them. week. They release an episode every week and they just crack me up, but then also speak so many truths and they're so direct and they don't care if you're going to get your feelings hurt. So clearly a bit of me. Um, but I've really been enjoying listening to them running. I'm also reading a book I think you'd be interested in called Together by Dr. Vivek Murphy who is um, former Surgeon General of the United States of America. It's basically a lot about the problem that we have with loneliness in society and, like, the difference between loneliness, and isolation, and, like, solitariness. Is that a word? Solitariness?
0: Solida- yeah. Solitude. Solitude, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it talks a lot about the difference between them, but also, like, how we need to connect... Um, as a society because loneliness is a really big problem that has a massive impact on our mental health and our physical well-being, And he uses a lot of case studies of specific people he met during his time, but he also talks about um, different aspects of other cultures and things that we can learn from cultures that really um, embrace um, the idea of con- people connecting it's just made me think about how we do really need to reconnect as a society. We think we're so connected because of social media, but those connections really aren't fulfilling. Um, And there needs to be a lot of change there. And I think connection as well as with different types of people is really good for empathy. And ultimately empathy can lead to progression in a society that, where a lot needs to change and a lot of prejudice needs to go. So that's probably my, I mean, I would, yeah, I'd definitely recommend that book.
0: That sounds great, Libs. That sounds really good um, and needed in this time. Yeah. I have, um, I've been reading a mixture of fiction and non-fiction actually. Right now I'm really enjoying a bit of Margaret Atwood and I'm reading her book, The Heart Goes Last. I am finding it really interesting how a lot of the content I'm reading and watching is subconsciously relating to the lockdown situation we're in right now. And I don't know if that's uncanny or not, but um, it's quite strange. So this this book is basically about a couple who are struggling in a dystopian future financially. many people are economically struggling losing their jobs Unemploy- unemployment is at its highest um and then suddenly out of nowhere this advertisement um is shown for a project called positron that basically promises you a job a place to live a bed to sleep in um which is a lot more appealing than the situation that the two main characters were in where they were sleeping in their car um
1: so is this what we should be expecting post lockdown this advertisement
0: potentially
1: <laughs> is she <laughs> is she predicting the future
0: <laughs> she might be the the catch is that once you go into this place and this amazing world um you can't come out of it
1: mm, what i actually feel like you sold that so well like i like, really want to read that book
0: now yeah so uh and it's got a little bit of sexy stuff in there too, which is always fun to read. So, Isn't
1: it?
0: Well, um, if I wasn't
1: gonna read it before. I'm definitely gonna read it now.
0: Oh, that's brilliant! Okay, well, on, <laughs> on that, that note, note. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening, everyone, and we hope to hear from you. And <laughs> I was about to say see you, but we're not gonna see anyone. So, <laughs> okay, you do. It. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs>
1: on that note um we'll sign off there really good to be back and we're really looking forward to making more content and we hope to hear from you um please engage with the in the discussions at kaleidoscope underscore podcast thanks bye bye